The beauty of God's Word found in the majority text King James Bible is beyond comparison. The depths of its truth can never be fully plumbed in this earthly existence. These inspired writings open the doors of truth and light, and through these doors the reader gains access to the wells of living water and everlasting life. John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. God's Word gives life, and gives it more abundantly to those who choose it, and judgment and damnation to those who reject. It gives eyes to see, ears to hear, a mouth to communicate, and a heart to perceive to those who were once blind, deaf, and dumb, sitting in darkness, asking inane questions like, Where did I come from? Who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? The Holy Bible has been challenged incessantly by carnaldom's sharpest minds for over 6,000 years, and they failed time after miserable time. The reason this unassailable book is beyond the attacks of its antagonist, beyond the glory of this carnal world, is because it is not printer's ink and paper. It is, in fact, God. John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Psalms 138, verse 2, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Surrender yourself unto the living word, unto the living God. Click on the further with Jesus for instant entry into the truth and light, to the answer to all of life's questions, and unto the solution to all its problems. Now for today's subject. God said, the Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, I am black but comely, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. Look not upon me, because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. Man said, these religious right-wing fanatics humor me. Imagine these small-minded, easily believe that God created the universe and gave them a holy book as a type of owner's manual. How ridiculous! Now the record. How could it be that the Bible has the answers and fully declares them thousands of years before man's advanced knowledge discovers bits and pieces of them and in many cases actually trips over them? On this website at the time of this printing, the veracity of God's Word is verified over 220 times, and every Thursday evening, God willing, a new subject is launched that proves God and His Word again. This subject will simply prove its credibility once again. Why is the black man black? In other races, the color they are. The answer to this question was published by us many years ago, and several years ago the answer was added to the catalog of subjects on God Said, Man Said. This feature capsulizes the original text with new information that continues to certify the Bible's statements on this subject. Why is the black man black? Why is the red man, the yellow, and the white man the color they are? Several theories have been put forth to answer this question. Some have proven deadly, and nearly all have been harmful. 
Darwin's doctrine of evolution, from which present-day Darwinians are publicly keeping their distance, depicts the gorilla and the negro occupying evolutionary positions between the baboon and the civilized Caucasian races of man. According to Harvard University's Stephen Jay Gould, biological arguments for racism may have been common before 1859, that is, before Darwin, but they increased by orders of magnitude following the acceptance of evolutionary theory. Hitler was a committed student of Darwin's evolution. In his book Mein Kampf, Hitler spoke of lower human types. He accused the Jews of bringing Negroes into the Rhineland with the purpose of ruining the white race by the necessarily resulting bastardization. Now you know why white supremacists so tightly bond to Adolf Hitler, and you also now know why degrading racial slurs such as, and I actually hate to put this in print, monkey, are ascribed to the black man. They evolved from Darwin's theory. Man has developed other erroneous concepts by putting forth false biblical doctrines, such as pre-Adamic age, which means there was a populated world before the creation of Adam. Anything your imagination can contrive could have happened in the pre-Adamic age, including, according to some, the origin of the Jewish and black people. Another pseudo-biblical theory is that the black man is a product of the curse of Ham, the son of Noah. These folks assert that Ham's son Cush was cursed because of his father's sin, and that Cush was the father of the black people. One of the world's greatest historians was Flavius Josephus, and concerning Cush he wrote, for of the four sons of Ham, time has not at all hurt the name of Cush, for the Ethiopians, over whom he reigned, are even at this day both by themselves and by all men in Asia called Cushites, end of quote. Cush was the father of the Ethiopians, but unfortunately for those who postulated the Ham-Cush myth, the curse was not upon Cush, Genesis chapter 9, verses 23, or excuse me, 22 through 25. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment, and laid it upon their shoulders, and went backward, and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah woke from his wine, and knew what his younger son had done unto him, and he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren." Canaan is the father of the Canaanites who possessed the land now called Israel and its immediate surroundings. Upon him was the curse of Ham. Many other incorrect accounts concerning the races have been hypothesized, but only one account is true. In order to understand this great, evil, mysterious abyss of hatred and bigotry into which millions of lives and hearts have been cast, it is necessary to start from the beginning. God made the first man... Adam from the dust of the earth. The name Adam actually means red dirt or ruddy. It does biblically appear that the you of the first man was more that of the red man than of any other. And as science is even now discovering, man was made out of clay. See man from dirt on this website. Josephus recorded of Adam that God took dust from the ground and formed man and inserted in man a spirit and a soul. This man was called Adam, which in the Hebrew tongue signifies one that is red, because he was formed out of red earth compounded together, for of that kind is virgin and true earth, end of quote. One visitor to God said, man said, ridiculed our direct interpretation of the verses in the Song of Solomon, and said the speaker was just sunburned. 
To him and to those who have wondered of the same, the Hebrew definition of the word black used in the verses noted means jetty and swarthy. Jetty, made of jet, or black as jet. Jet, a solid, dry, black, inflammable, excuse me, fossil substance. Swarthy, being of a dark hue or dusky complexion, tawny, in warm climates, the complexion of men is universally swarthy or black, black as the swarthy African, dusky, tending to blackness in color, partially black, dark colored. Another fact to consider is shortly after the worldwide flood in the days of Noah and the enormous climate changes that ensued, a certain event took place that quickly exacerbated the problem of various genetic differences. That event was God's confounding of the language of the people of the Tower of Babel. See Tower of Babel. Up until that time, men lived together in the same geographical area, and everyone spoke the same language. Genesis chapter 11, verses 6 through 9. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. After Babel, the Hebrew-speaking people could not understand the Italian, the Italian could not understand the German, etc. They separated according to the language they understood and migrated to different geographical locations. This is the beginning of the nationalities as we know them. This, incorporating a concept known as genetic drift, is also the reason for so many peculiar genetic traits. For example, it is the reason the Chinese have slanted eyes. The group of people who began speaking Chinese at the Tower of Babel could only understand one another. They migrated to one geographical location with its particular climate, and generation after generation married among themselves in their own particular gene pool. Their particular dominant genes emerged and were passed down from generation to generation. As a result, you have a nationality trait of slanted eyes. All the above information will play a part in why the black, red, yellow, and white populations are the color they are. Is God's word correct? Does the sun play the pivotal role in the color of the races? Newsweek, January 11, 1988, in an article concerning the biological DNA research of universities of Berkeley, Emory, Michigan, etc., etc., recorded the following. Skin color, for instance, is a minor adaptation to climate. Black in Africa for protection from the sun, white in Europe to absorb ultraviolet radiation that helps produce vitamin D. It takes only a few thousand years of evolution for skin color to change. In the same article, Harvard paleontologist S.J. Gould says, It makes us realize that all human beings, despite differences and external appearance, are really members of a single entity that's had a very recent origin in one place. There is a kind of biological brotherhood that's much more profound than we ever realized. As an aside, the reference above to evolution is not a reference to macroevolution, which is Darwin's amoeba to man theory. Rather, it depicts microevolution, a term believed to have been coined by evolutionist Theodobshansky. Whereas macroevolution teaches all things evolved from a common ancestor, 
a concept for which there is no evidence. Microevolution means small changes within species over time that produces no new genetic information but basically shuffles existing genes. Scientists who fully endorse creation have no problem with microevolution with the exception of the confusion the term creates. It is understood that God created the genetic code with the ability to produce interesting variations within a bearman or kind. In a 1997 article in the American Journal of Physical Anthropology titled Hemispheric Differences in Human Skin Color, the following information is found. Previous studies of human skin color have shown a strong relationship between skin color and distance from the equator, which has been interpreted as a link between skin color, latitude, and the intensity of ultraviolet radiation. The underlying assumptions are that UV radiation is greatest at the equator and that it diminishes with increasing latitude to the same extent in both the northern and southern hemispheres. The standard analysis of human skin color is based on these assumptions such that skin color is assumed to be darkest at the equator and the decrease of skin color with latitude is assumed to be the same in both in, uh, excuse me, hemispheres. A nonlinear piecewise regression model was developed to test these assumptions and applied to mean skin reflections data from 102 male samples and 65 female samples from across the old world. For both males and females, skin reflectance is lowest at the equator. That's where the darkest skin is. Among males, skin reflection increases roughly 8.2%. For every 10 degrees of latitude in the northern hemisphere, but only 3.3% for every 10 degrees of latitude in the southern hemisphere. Among females, the corresponding numbers are 8.1% in the northern hemisphere, excuse me, and 4.7% in the southern hemisphere. These results indicate that human skin color is darker in the southern hemisphere than in the northern hemisphere at equivalent latitude. Recent research shows that UV radiation is higher in the southern hemisphere than in the northern hemisphere at similar latitude. Could it be sun as God records? Most anthropologists now believe that differences in UV irradiation account for the variety of skin color. The following excerpts are from the February 2001 issue of Discover magazine under the heading The Biology of Skin Color, Black and White. Jablonski and her husband, George Chaplin, a geographic information system specialist, have formulated the first comprehensive theory of skin color. Their findings, published in a recent issue of the Journal of Human Evolution, show a strong, somewhat predictable correlation between skin color and the strength of sunlight across the globe. But they also show a deeper, more surprising process at work. Skin color, they say, is largely a matter of vitamins. Again from Discover Magazine, as far back as the 1960s, the biochemist W. Farnsworth Loomis had suggested that skin color is determined by the body's need for vitamin D. The vitamin helps the body absorb calcium and deposit in bones and essential function, particularly in fast-growing embryos. The need for vitamin D during pregnancy may explain why women around the globe tend to have lighter skin than men. Unlike folate, vitamin D depends on ultraviolet light for its production in the body. 
Loomis believed that people who live in the north, where daylight is weakest, evolved fair skin to help absorb a more ultraviolet light, and that people in the tropics evolved dark skin to block the light, keeping the body from overdosing on vitamin D, which can be toxic at high concentrations. By the time Jablonski did her research, Loomis' hypothesis had been partially disproved. You can never overdose a dose, excuse me, on natural amounts of vitamin D, Jablonski says. There are only rare cases where people take too many cod liver supplements. But Loomis's insight about fair skin held up, and it made a perfect complement for Jablonski's insight about folate and dark skin. The next step was to find some hard data correlating skin color to light levels. Until the 1980s, researchers could only estimate how much ultraviolet radiation reached Earth's surface. But in 1978, NASA launched the Total Ozone Mapping Spectrometer. Three years ago, Jablonski and Chaplin took the spectrometer's global ultraviolet rate measurements and compared them with published data on skin color and in indigenous populations for more than 50 countries. To their delight, there was an unmistakable correlation. The weaker the ultraviolet light, the fairer the skin. Jablonski went on to show that people living about 50 degrees latitude have the highest risk of vitamin D deficiency. This was one of the last barriers in the history of human settlement, Jablonski says. Only after humans learned fishing and therefore had access to food rich in vitamin D could they settle these regions. Humans have spent much of their history moving around. To do that, they've had to adapt tools, clothes, housing, and eating habits to each new climate and landscape. But Jablonski's work indicates that our adaptation go much further. People in the tropics have developed dark skin to block out the sun and protect their body's folate reserves. People far from the equator have developed fair skin to drink in the sun and produce adequate amounts of vitamin D during the long winter months. Jablonski hopes that her research will alert people to the importance of vitamin D and folate in their diets. It's already known, for example, that dark-skinned people who move to cloudy climes can develop conditions such as rickets from vitamin D excuse me, deficiencies. More important, Jablonski hopes her work will begin to change the way people think about skin color. We can take a topic that has caused so much disagreement, so much suffering, and so much misunderstanding, she says, and completely disarm it. Was God correct? It's the sun that causes variations in skin color? The following subhead in an article titled Skin in Scientific American reads, Throughout the world, human skin color has evolved to be dark enough to prevent sunlight from destroying the nutrient folate, but light enough to foster the production of vitamin D, end of quote. The sorrow, the shame, the rejection, the depression, the hatred, the murder and the colossal loss that has been caused by the bigotry of racism is immeasurable. This global devastation was mightily advanced by the likes of Darwin, Hitler, and pseudo-biblicalists. When the authority of God's word is rejected, the end result is death. God said, Son, the Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, I am black but comely, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. Look not upon me, because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. Man said, 
these religious right-wing fanatics humor me. Imagine, these small-minded, easily-led people actually believe that God created the universe and gave them a holy book as a type of owner's manual. How ridiculous! Now you have the record.